in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. And Solomon, if you, if you have a, a bottle of water, if there's one back there, that'd be great. Anyone need a Bible? We have a, a Bible up here. A Bible up here. All right, Osagi. Right there. It's hard for Osagi to hide himself. He, he's trying to duck and, and not be noticed. That's not, that's, Osagi, you can't do that. You're too tall. Galatians chapter 2. Thank you. Verse 11. And we were in this last week, but sometimes here at Calvary Chapel, as we're going through a book, we go through verses a few different times because there are some verses that there's many sermons in the same set of verses, and this is one of those sets of verses. Verse 11 says this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking by the Holy Spirit. He said, now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jews, which is 99.9% .9 of the world. But when they came in, he withdrew and he separated himself fearing those who were of the circumcision, meaning fearing those who were Jews, which showed up to this party. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, now this is the Apostle Peter he's talking to here. I said to the Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel? Why do you force Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles. Knowing that a man or a woman is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified. You could just as well say forgiven or redeemed or made righteous by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, meaning by doing the law, no flesh, meaning no human being, shall be justified. Verse 17, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law. I want to repeat that. For I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. 
I have been crucified with Christ. Now, everyone who's in this room has been given, you've given your life to Jesus Christ. You can say this. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Chapter 3, verse 1. We'll conclude with this verse. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? A witch come and put you under a spell. Who's bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Father, fill us with wisdom and understanding. Open our eyes, our ears, our minds hearts to what your word is speaking to us this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Every one of you was created by God to love Him. You were created for that purpose, to love God. In our study of the book of Mark, which we finished up a few months ago after being in it for a couple years, in Mark chapter 12, a religious person came to Jesus and asked him, what is the first commandment? Now in other books in the gospel, it may say, what is the greatest commandment? But this is, this is what is the first commandment? And Jesus responded, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. To love the Lord your God is the first commandment. God is love and he created you to love him. There's nothing more important in life, nothing, than that you, each and every one of you, make sure there's nothing hindering you from loving God. There's nothing more important than you making sure 
and being diligent to make sure there's nothing getting in the way of you loving God. Oh, how I love this verse. Book of Jude. But you, beloved, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's just water to my soul every time I read that verse. But you, beloved, keep yourselves in the love of God. There's nothing more important, Calvary Chapel, than keeping yourself in the love of God. Nothing in all of life. The book of Galatians is a book that pleads with you, begs you, keep yourself in the love of God. This book, it begs you not to allow anything to get in the way and being vigilant to make sure nothing's in the way of you loving God. There's some of you, there's stuff in the way of you loving God. So what gets in the way of loving God? It's a lack of, supremely a lack of understanding of grace. The grace of God. A lack of understanding of the grace of God will get in the way of you loving God. So I want to begin by talking about that, and I'm going to begin with the last verse which we read this morning. Eventually, we'll go back to the first verse. But I want to begin with Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, which says this. Read, it, read along with me. Oh, you foolish Galatians. There's really strong language throughout this book. I was reading one of the translations last night of this verse. You stupid Galatians. There was some other person made that translation, not me. But there's, a, there's like 40 English translations, and that's one of the translations. Another one was, you, you loving idiots, was another one. You foolish Galatians. Chapter 3, verse 1, the New King James Version says, I think the NIV says the same thing. Who has bewitched you? Has a witch cast a spell over you? That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. We spoke to you about Jesus Christ, how he died on the cross for you Galatians. So what's going on now? Who's bewitched you? You clearly saw that he was crucified. Where's he going with all this? Where is Paul going with all of this? Well, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed to you as crucified. And what he means by that is that it was clearly explain to you, Galatians, that Jesus dying on the cross, that Jesus dying on the cross paid for all your sins, all of them. Galatians, Jesus Christ gave his life to pay for your sins. Now that's a book in the, a verse in the Bible. The verse says this, it says, 
um, in, Galatia, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, Jesus Christ gave his life to pay for your sins. Paul had clearly portrayed Jesus is crucified by telling him this. This is what he means when he says, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed to you as crucified. He, I told you, Jesus Christ gave his life to pay for your sins. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. It says, you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, Galatians. Calvary Chapel, you were purchased you were purchased, you, ladies, gentlemen, children, you were purchased, you were bought by the precious blood of Christ. 1 Timothy 2.6, Jesus Christ gave himself to pay for the sins of all people. So what Paul is saying in this verse, who has bewitched you, Galatians, he's saying, it was, it, it, listen, it wasn't just anyone's blood who paid for your sins. It was the blood of the Son of God. It was the blood of God himself. When Paul is saying here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, that Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed to you as crucified, that's what he meant. That when Jesus was crucified on the cross, Jesus Christ fully paid all their sins. He fully paid the price for them to enter into a relationship with God. He fully paid the price for them to be welcomed into heaven for all eternity. He fully paid the price um, to for their salvation. He had explained that to the Galatians. Now listen. When a man or woman realizes, when you realize, that Jesus Christ by his blood purchased for you a relationship with God at no cost to you, that there's nothing you can do or could ever do to add to what Jesus' blood did, that you can now love God with nothing in the way, nothing hindering you, to pray to God, to talk with Him, to be with Him, never again saying, God, I never again having to say, oh God, I, I want you to accept me, but I, I, don't, I don't know if I've been a good enough mother. God, I want you to accept me, but I don't know if I've been a good enough father. God, I want you to accept me, uh, but I don't know if I've been a, a good enough son or a good enough daughter. I don't know if I've been pure enough. I don't know if I've read my Bible enough, prayed enough, gone to church enough, given enough money to church. I don't know if I have followed the law enough, obeyed the Bible enough. When someone realizes that God has purchased them, when you realize that God has purchased you in full and that you never again have to say, God, what about the abortions I've had, the divorces I've had, the fact that my mind has been filled with nothing but lust for the last five hours. What about the fact that my mind has been filled with nothing but bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness when I came into this service? What about all the lying, the cheating, and the stealing? What about living for me and only for me and all about me with no regard for, for God or anything else for most of my life. They, never having to think like that again when you realize that the blood of Jesus purchased, he purchased your life for him, that you're now a son, that you're now a daughter. 
The blood of the Son of God. Yes, let's listen. listen. It's the blood of the Son of God. It's not any man's blood. It's the blood of the Son of God. And yes, your sin is that bad. Calvary Chapel, your sin is that wicked that it took the blood of God to pay for it, to be punished for it. Your sin is that bad. Don't trivialize your sin. More than that, if someone's coming to you and they're feeling bad about their sin, don't say, it's not that bad. Really, it's not. No, you should be saying, it's much worse. It costs the Son of God His blood. But once you understand, when, once the, the cross of Christ, Galatians 3.1, is clearly showed, portrayed, understood, you can love God with nothing in the way. With nothing in the way. No guilt, no shame, no feeling you're not good enough. Because again, you were purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You've been freed to love God with nothing in the way. Put another way, you have been freed to love God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Ever wonder? Ever, ever read that verse Jesus said? He said the first commandment is to love God with all your, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Ever read that and go, I really don't know what that's about. It's because you don't understand the grace of God and what you've been freed from and what God has purchased you for. Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed to you as crucified Paul says in Galatians 3.1. So the problem was, is that someone came along after Paul had departed from the churches in this region of Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. Someone had come in and they had bewitched them. They had bewitched them. They came in and they said, hold on. Yeah, I heard about this guy, guy Paul, and what he is saying. Uh, yes, it's true that Jesus died for your sins. Um, yes, you have to believe that. But in order to be saved and to make sure you're saved, you need to follow all the laws of this book. I'm talking about the Old Testament. So that would be something like this. Yes, you have to believe in Jesus Christ, but you have to follow all the laws of this book to the best of your ability. And away went the joy and away went the celebration of the grace of God. Now, one of the laws that they were told that they needed to follow was what to eat and what not to eat. Part of the law of the Old Testament that God gave to the Jews was that they were forbidden from eating certain foods. We've talked about this the last few weeks. No pork, no shellfish. And the law required that any meat be drained of blood in a certain way. They had to kill the, the, the cattle and the, the lambs in a certain way. A, 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 the Jewish way. Again, 99.9% .9 of the world prepared meat in one way. The Jews prepared it um, in another way. 
And so what happened was these people came in saying, look, you got to believe Jesus, but you also there's things you can't eat and, and, and there's things you uh, uh, can eat. Paul finds out about this and he is not happy. A shepherd who loves his sheep gets angry, gets really angry when he finds out that someone is coming in and taking away and stealing the joy from his people. So he's not happy. And so in order to demonstrate to them what they need to go back to to keep themselves in the love of God, Beloved brethren, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's where he goes in verse 11, which is an extraordinary story. Let's read it again. We were in it last week of one apostle confronting in public another apostle. So he says in verse 11, let's read it together. Now when Peter, the apostle Peter, this man who had been with Jesus for three years, walking with him, sleeping with him, eating with him, ministering with him. When Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men that came from James... He would eat with the Gentiles, meaning before these people showed up from Jerusalem who followed all these do not eat, yes eat, do not eat laws, before then, he was eating with the Gentiles and eating anything they were eating. But then it says there in uh, the middle of verse 12, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, meaning it's like he saw them, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> he, got a, he went away and he separated himself and he went to eat with the Jews, it says there. Verse 13, and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, meaning that Peter was a Jew. All the first Christians were Jews, but then they had gone out into this region of Galatia and all these non-Jews became Christian, but there were other Jews who had accompanied them and, and so there were Jewish converts there living with the Gentiles and, and, and when this, this contingent, this group of people uh, came from Jerusalem who, only fo who followed um, th those, those dietary laws of eat and do not eat, all the people who had been Jews were like, whoa, whoa. And they go and they, uh, they depart from the non-Jews and they go and eat with the Jews, it says. It says, um, even Barnabas, end of verse 13, was carried away with their hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when you believe something, one thing, but you behave in another way. So Peter knew better, and we went over this last week. He knew better. He had already been told by God, you can eat anything. Jesus Christ fulfilled all those dietary laws, Peter. They, uh, all the food is now clean. Go and eat. Go and be with the Gentiles. And Peter did and the God blessed what he did. The Holy Spirit was poured out. Gentiles started becoming Christians. And, and, and so Peter was playing the hypocrite. 
And what was the reason? End of verse 12. Fear of those who were of the circumcision, meaning fear of the Jews. Fear of being, not having the approval, not getting the affirmation from these people who showed up from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was like Washington, D.C. times 100. I mean, it was the center of the world to the Jews. And so Peter, even though the guy was an apostle, this is how powerful our, our lust for approval of man can be. He, the guy walked around with Jesus, but still when these people showed up from Jerusalem, he separates himself and, and he starts playing the hypocrite. Verse 14, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, right in front of everyone, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles, meaning if you being a Jew, and I know you, Peter, I know you don't mind eating like the Gentiles, why is it, he says, that, uh, why is it that you compel and force Gentiles to live as Jews? By, by your example of doing what you're doing, you're telling all these non-Jews that they have to start living like Jews and obeying all these laws. When all along, and you know full well that it's Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ purchased these people for him, and you don't add performing the law, any law, including laws of eating and not eating. Everyone with me? Yes. All right. So Paul, in front of everyone, uh, confronts, uh, confronts Peter. He says in verse 15, we who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles, and then he says in three times, and, and we've been in this verse for four weeks now, but three times he says, a man is saved by Jesus Christ and not by good works. Read it with me. Verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ, Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ we might, uh, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. And then a third time, and by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Meaning, the only thing a man or woman needs to do in order to be saved, in order to be justified to, uh, before the Lord, in order to be forgiven, the only thing he or she needs to do, it says Jesus is standing at the door of their heart, the heart of everyone in the world knocking, all a man has to do is believe and open up their heart and say, come in as my king. That's it. There's nothing else. And so Paul, he, he confronts this. He confronts this. And um, I want to take now a major change of direction. But before I get there, I just want to say this. The wonderful thing about this story, one of the wonderful things is, is that Peter accepts fully, even though he was done, this was done publicly. And even though this letter, Galatians, was distributed around, Peter himself in the book of 2 Peter calls Paul, beloved Paul, and commends the letters that he wrote. That's how much humility 
this, this man. And, and I, I, I love this story, not only one, because it's, it, it tells me that, listen, the apostle Peter can fall flat in his face. That means I can too, and I have in the past, and I can take heart. Because even the apostles fall flat on their face. But I'm also encouraged because here's an example of a man who is not only confronted. I tell you, part of my job as a pastor, I have to confront a lot of people. Most people really struggle with it. In private. Now, when it's in public, oh my. But when you distribute a letter with this story and your name's on it about how you did wrong and you still are okay with that? Now that is a supernatural humility that only can be accomplished in you and me by the Holy Spirit. But I want to take a different direction now. I want to take our focus off the Galatians and I want to put our focus on Peter himself. So up till now, it's, you know, Galatians, keep yourself in the love of God. I, I, want to, I want to think about something. I want to think about Peter and what would have happened if Paul had not intervened and straightened Peter out here. What would have happened if Peter just said, well, whoa, these guys are coming from Jerusalem. I, don't want, I want them to think I'm spiritual. I want them to think I'm a real, real Jew. I need to get away from these people and I need to go, go, go obey all these eat and non-eat laws with the Jews. What would have happened if Paul never showed up? What would have happened? You can be sure that at the end of the day, I'll tell you one thing. You can be sure that at the end of the day, if Peter had tried to spend time alone with God, you, could, could, you can be sure that there would have been distance between him and God. There would have been something in the way in his love for God. There would have been something in the way. Notice how it says in verse 12, it says he withdrew and separated himself from the people, uh, he would have, there would have been some separation also with him and God. Remember our verse in Jude? But beloved, keep yourselves in the love of God. If Paul had not intervened, if he tried to go spend some time alone with God, he would not have been in the love of God because he took himself out of the love of God. Why is that? Why? Because listen, Peter had put himself under another law, a different law. This law is called the approval of man. We have some extracurricular music going on. Where's that coming from? All right. <laughs> Let me try one, time, one more time without the background music. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Peter, after having done this, after having fearing the, the Jews and separated himself and then trying to act like a Jew with obeying all the laws, 
he would have been outside of the love of God. Why? Because he had put himself under another law, and this law is called this. It's called the law of the approval of man. Or perhaps another name, the law of the affirmation of man. You and I, we put ourselves under the law when we start behaving in such a way that the approval of man, the admiration of man, the affirmation of man is the rule of our life, is the law of our life. Whenever we get drawn into seeking out the approval of man, what we're doing is the equivalent of putting ourselves under our law. And oh, the problem that that is. Desperately seeking affirmation from people. Let me tell you, it is a struggle from the time you get out of bed. At least it is for me. Oh, that the world would accept me. Oh, that they would approve of me. Notice me, talk to me, like me, not despise me. What do I need to do to have them like me, accept me, approve me? You've put yourself, I put myself under a different law. And yet the flesh, your flesh, cries out. What do I need to do? To be accepted, to be liked, to be approved, to be admired, not to be despised. Jude 20, 21 again, but you, beloved, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. It doesn't say keep yourselves in the love of people. Keeping yourselves in the love of people is one of the most exhausting, never able to win battles of life. Keeping yourself in the love of people, making sure you're doing every minute, every hour, every day, what, what's, what it, whatever it's gonna take to have people love you. It's not what you're told to do, Christian. You're told to keep yourself in the love of God. And the love of God is like this. Jesus said, come to me for my, my uh, yoke is easy, which means, which is otherwise translated kind, and my burden is light, which is otherwise translated a power like wind, which moves you along. My, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, weary from what? From trying to do everything we can to be approved and admired by the world, by being under that law. And I will give you rest, Jesus said. Learn from me, submit to me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Keep yourselves in the love of God. God is love. And you were created to love Him. 
And you talk about something that'll hinder you from loving God. It's something that will get in the way of you loving God. It is living under the law of people's approval. Living under the law of affirmation from people rather than God. It doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean that you dismiss people or that you don't actively love them. It it does mean that you don't live to get their affirmation. You don't live to get their approval. Everyone wants you to be some kind of person. Your children want you to be one kind of person. Your husband or wife wants you to be another kind of person. Your coworkers want you to be one kind of person. Your boss wants you to be another kind of person. The people at church want you to be uh, uh, one kind of person. Actually, um, um, for me, the multiple groups want me to be multiple people. I would have schizophrenia times five um, um, if, if I listened and did what all of them wanted um, 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 me to do. Your father-in-law wants you to become one kind of person. Your cousins, your friends, your family. These people have these expectations of me. Those people have the, that, those expectations of me. And let me tell you, there's a, my, there's a time when I just got to leave this earth and just go up and sit with Jesus in the heavens. I'm very thankful for this verse, by the way. But God made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Luther actually says about these verses, sometimes you need to bolt, you need to get out of the earth and just go to heaven. When, when, when all the law is, is condemning you, uh, you're not who you should be, you're not who should be, you're not who you should be, you just need to leave and go right up to heaven. He's talking about this kind of verse right here. Keep yourself... In the love of God. The point is, is this, Calvary Chapel. Don't put yourself under anyone else's law. Don't withdraw and separate from that place of grace, that place of freedom and rest, as Peter did in verse 12. Out of fear he did. Don't you do it out of fear because you might get someone's disapproval or disaffirmation. Don't put yourself under anyone else's law. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Kyle, can we have 1 Peter 1, 18, 19? You were purchased with the precious blood of the Son of God, of God himself, Jesus Christ. You don't have to be under the law of any other man's approval or disapproval. You were created to love God. When you put yourself under someone else's law, you're pulling something in the way of loving God. Remember, God is love. He created you to love Him. There's nothing more important than you keeping yourself in the love of God, making sure nothing gets in the way of you loving Him. When you keep yourself in the love of people, doing what is necessary to get people to love you, you're not keeping yourself in the love of God. And you can, the wonderful thing about the grace of God, all it takes is a split moment for you to go right back and just be in the love of God. Just remembering who Jesus Christ is and what his blood was. Look at verse 19. Go down to verse 19. Verse 19 says, For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. And then verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, 
but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now that's freedom. That is a man who knows that he's in the love of God. That is a life where there's nothing hindering you from loving God. A life that is de declares, I've been crucified with Christ. When you, when you find yourself being pulled under the law of a man trying to get their approval or a woman trying to get her affirmation, just recite this verse. Get scripture memory this Friday on Zoom at at 7 p.m., show up and just recite this verse. For I am crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. So why in the world would I be living for the affirmation of my friends? Why in the world would I be living for the affirmation of my coworkers or boss or, or family or neighbors or husband or wife or children or husband or father? Uh, it's not even I'm whom living. He says, I'm not even living, he says. So why would I ever be living for someone trying to pull me into their view of who I should be when he purchased me with his blood and now he lives through me? I've been crucified with Christ. It's not even me who lives anymore, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I live in my body, in my flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who was slain for me, who had a nail, a, a Roman um, nail thrust through his right hand, his left hand, his feet, who had a spear pierced into his side right under his heart. He loved me and gave himself for me. That's a man or woman who's not under the law. That's a man or woman right there who is keeping himself in the love of God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to have communion again. By the way, speaking of we're not under the law. We're not under the law of any regulation of how often we do communion. <laughs> we did communion last week. Some churches do it every week. And praise the Lord for that. They're hearing from the Lord, and that's what they do. We don't have it every week. Praise the Lord for that. If the Lord ever tells our leadership, you know, you guys need to be having communion every week, we'll start. There's a freedom in that. But... As the worship team comes up here, also, if you've been asked to pray, can you please come up? If you have been asked to be a prayer partner, please come up. Now, communion is an interesting thing because it is just that. It's communion, meaning it's, it's communion means just time with someone. In this case, it's time with God. It's not a religious ritual. Some of you may grew up, and yeah, it was every week. You just went in, and you, you had the, a, 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 the wine, you had the bread, and you left, and 
never dawned on you that the purpose of it, the, the reason Jesus gave it to you was so that you could spend time with him. But it's an interesting time communion is because there are some of you that even what you did in the last 24 hours, you're thinking, can I really have communion? Can I have communion if my mind has been filled with lust? Can I, even coming to church, can I have communion? And the answer is, you remember that this communion represents, the, 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 the wine, the grape juice, represents the blood of Jesus who paid the purchase price, the punishment, for that which is in you which does lust. By the way, if you have a lust issue, present it to God and say, God, I hate this. Would you replace the thought? And then the next thing you do is if you're married, pray for your husband or pray for your wife. Or if you're single, pray for that spouse that you're going to have someday or that God might have for you someday. You won't be lusting anymore. But the blood of Jesus paid for that which is in you which lusts. The blood of Jesus paid for that which is in you which yelled at someone this week for getting angry at someone this week or, or lying or cheating or stealing. Now, I'm not saying that you don't, you're, that because Jesus paid for all that stuff that he doesn't want you to go and ask for forgiveness and confess. That's another sermon for another day, but it has nothing to do with communion. Communion is simply going to God and say, yes, Lord, I need the forgiveness. I, have, I got this on my mind. I got that on my mind. I get this I did. I get that I did. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for the blood. And then participate in communion. Don't say, well, I really can't do that because of all the stuff that I've done. All you're doing is you're throwing mud on the cross. Jesus Christ spilt his blood for you. He, he cried out in wretched pain, but more than that, he was separated from the Father, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me when God was judging him for your sin, and now you're not going to have communion? Because you, you, listen, that's an insult to him. That's an offense to him. Important that you recognize the preciousness of the blood of God by having communion. Now, if you're going to hold on to some sins, hey, I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm just, I, I can't say to God right now, I'm going to let go of this sin. Yeah, the Bible does say you're, that um, you shouldn't have communion, but you're in a dangerous place and a foolish place. Jesus, in Luke chapter 22, he said, Oh, how I have desired with great desire to have this last supper with you. And it was the first communion. And he desires to have that communion with you right now. If you could get up at this time, just rise up. And um, before, we, before we actually take communion, you, you'll have these little cups there underneath your seat. If there's anybody here, there, 
you feel like we've been talking about keeping yourself in the love of God, don't let anything get in the way between you and the love of God. There's something in the way. You may not even know what it is, but you you like to pray about it. That's what... The last thing you want to do is take communion when there's something in the way. And you may know what it is, you may not know what it is, but prayer is how we get it out of the way. Prayer is how we release it to God. You can do it right in your, your seat, but we're up here to, to pray with you. By the way, getting, keeping yourself in the love of God is a process you too throughout the day of every day of every week of care. <laughs> but one way to do it is to, to, to have prayer, to have a brother or sister pray for you. So we're up here. The Bible says before communion in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let a man prepare himself, let a woman prepare himself. And it's this time where we're examining ourselves and prepare ourselves and worship God and worship Jesus for dying for us. So Father, I pray that you would lead us into this time of, of communion. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like prayer, please come on.